Hey, connected fam. I am back and you are back, which means we are making this thing work. Thank you for joining me for another week. I try and think of like different things to say every week and it just always comes back to welcome back. Thanks for joining me. So next time I'll I'll be a little bit more creative and think of something don't know, something a bit more exciting to tell you as my intro. So welcome. I am going to talk today about the state of origin. And this may not be relevant to anyone that is outside of Australia, but I will explain it to you so that you at least understand a little bit of what this state of origin business is. But I can guarantee you it is relevant to all of us in one way or another. Um, something that I learned through state of origin and yeah okay let's just let's just get started with this thing instead of telling your podcast all the content of my podcast in my intro and then I'm left with 10 minutes at the end to actually tie this in properly okay let's go all right um shout out to this morning I I'm going Instagram and again I am not scrolling I'm just pointing to the first few names that are on my follower list so the first one and I just literally just picked it I must say I picked it because your thumbnail profile picture whatever this thing is on Instagram had a really bright seven on it and it just stood out so today we are going to give a shout out to memes.i.watch. okay I just realized you guys say period okay memes period I period watch period on period Sabbath memes I watch on Sabbath hello there and thank you for joining um, the connected fam but also thank you for being active with your faith and choosing to be funny about it I love that um, his account has just started and yeah so he doesn't have um, a massive following and I was like let's give this person um, some follows so oh, sorry I just made it out like you are a guy so you may be a girl so whoever you are Memes I watch on Sabbath. Um, thank you for your support. Your bio says, laugh seven days a week. Account just started. DM or tag us in memes that you'd like to see get some SDA flavor and a cool face because people who make funny memes are cool like that. So yeah, make sure to check them out um, and give them your support. So thank you for supporting me. I hope I can give you back the support in the same way. Um, okay, so today I'm going to discuss this, I don't know what you want to call it, this this Australian phenomenon um, that is the state of origin. Now, basically what this thing is, it's a rugby league game, so that's like our Australian gridiron, I guess. Um, I was going to make some jokes about our rugby league in comparison to gridiron but I'm not going to go there so we're not going to make this podcast about (laughs) the different ways that we play this game but if you think about it it's a little bit like gridiron whatever it doesn't matter how this game is played it doesn't matter who plays it better no just joking but what does matter is the whole idea of what this game is about okay so basically 
you know how you have countries that rival each other okay so in Australia we are always like annoying and criticizing and putting down and making fun of New Zealanders okay and New Zealanders do the same thing to us so we generally have that it's just that's just the way we do life in Australia I guess we we pick on New Zealanders and New Zealanders do the same to us okay so there's this like funny little relationship that we have with them where they pick on us, we pick on them, we make fun of them, they make fun of us, they sort of don't really like us and we sort of don't really like them. But it's all very civil, like it's not, you know, to the point where it just gets nasty. It's not, um, yeah, it, 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 it's okay, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure in amongst that there are some people that are pretty like hardcore hate Australians and people that hate New Zealanders and it's probably not healthy or safe or even good but in saying that we get along like we it's just always it's like a brother and sister like always picking on each other but deep down inside you love each other because you're brothers your family you know so we have that and I guess and this is totally really not informed of me but I'm I'm guessing maybe Canadians and um Americans have that same sort of rival like you know, they annoy each other, they irritate each other, they make fun of each other, but hey, you're more than welcome to come on over. So then we have the state of origin and the state of origin is actually states within Australia that do not play nice. Like we, we pick on each other and those two states within Australia, so they're Australian states, is Queensland and New South Wales. Okay, so we are bordering states, so we're neighbours. Um, so it's like first and second brother and sister and, you know, like you get three siblings. Well, this is first and second, uh, the ones directly after each other. So we have Queensland and New South Wales and every year there is this big, you know, event where we go against each other in a rugby league game. That there are three games, so you obviously have a decider that comes. You know, once one state wins two of them, then you know that's it. You've you've won the state of origin. You've won the whole that whole competition. Okay, so that's again, and it is really big. Like it is massive. Like all of Australia really watches that game, and they all get behind it and support it, and everyone picks their their state. And but amongst Queensland and New South Wales. Welshes? I don't know what they would be. Anyway, between our states, it's pretty intense. Like, it's pretty intense. People get into fights. You know, you have issues at the pub. Um, it can get really, really intense. So, whatever. So, that's that's what I'm... That's the explanation that I need to give you. Okay. So, I was speaking with someone who has not... Okay, I don't want to reveal their identity, but I'm sure I will because I'm married to him. But let's not give names. So this particular person has not watched State of Origin in an extremely long time, never really cares about State of Origin for a really long time. I would say like 15 years. Um, And last year, this particular person did watch one game just randomly, watched, you know, I think it was like the last 30 minutes of the game. Didn't really care, just watched it just to watch it. This year, this particular person, won't be saying any names, decided that um, they were going to watch the three games. 
they were away working one one of the games. So they were on their own. They were like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. Let me just watch the game. Watch the first game. Watch the second game. And then watch the third one. And, oh, I don't even know who won this year. Anyway, I think Queensland won. I think Queensland won because he was pretty worked up. Um, <laughs> so Queensland won this year. And as I was having a conversation with this particular person um, after the game, they expressed, you know, that they were quite upset. It was an unfair game. The ref, you know, did unfair ruling. And this particular person was quite, and I say worked up, and this person is a really placid, really low-key, quiet kind of person. So for them to be worked up is probably just me on a normal day. Um, so they were sharing with me how, you know, the game was rigged and it's... <laughs> I've heard that so many times. The game is always rigged and, you know, New South Wales, you know, whenever they know they're winning, they end up losing because they get too comfortable and oh whatever. And I'm just like, man, this person is so passionate still after probably 15 years of never watching, like one, never watching a full series. So never watching, hasn't watched the three games in like 15 years. And then going like 14 years without ever watching a game. So last year was the first time that they chose to watch like a part of the game. So I'm like, I'm like, bro, you've really worked up over something that you haven't cared about for the last 15 years. Anyway, so as I was, I'm like, this person's so passionate about their team. And I'm like, but you haven't even supported your team for the past 15 years. How can you be so worked up about them losing? And anyway. So in my head, I'm trying to work out, like, why is this person so worked up about their team losing? And in my head, I was, like, trying to work out the reasons why they didn't like Queensland back in the day when they used to watch it. And I'm trying to remember all the things. And, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember I'm like, oh, that's right, but they didn't like the Broncos. So the Broncos is the team that is from Brisbane and Brisbane is the capital city of Queensland. Do you even call it a capital city when it's in a state? Let me Google this thing because I have thought about this numerous times, just never actually did something. Anyway, so it's the big city. No, it's definitely not the word big city. The main city of Brisbane um, is Brisbane, a capital City. Let me just Google, Google, fix. Okay, yes, so it is the capital city of the state. Okay, so what's Canberra then? <laughs> okay, let me, okay, let me leave that one for the next. Okay, so Brisbane is the capital city of Queensland and the Broncos is are the Brisbane team. Okay, so this particular person did not like the Broncos for whatever reason back in the day when he actually cared about football. Um, actually I do know the reasons, but whatever, I don't know if that's really relevant. Anyway, so he had reasons why he didn't like the Broncos and usually back then when State of Origin came around, they pick players to represent their state who were born in their state. Okay, so you could be playing for any state in Australia, but come State of Origin, if you were born in Queensland, you go and represent Queensland. So, which is really interesting because you get rivals playing for the same team and working together to represent their state, even though the other days of the year, they're actually on a totally different team. So, 
it always worked out because the Broncos at the time when this person used to actually watch all those games, they used the majority of the Queensland team was made up of Bronco players. So let's say 70% of the team was made up of of Bronco players. And because this particular person just doesn't like the Broncos, uh, I think there was like even more of like this, you know, don't like Queenslanders, you know, I hope Queensland loses, whatever. So I'm like, this is me privately processing all the reasons why this person is so against Queensland. Anyway, I had a conversation with the person over the weekend where I was trying to get more clarity as to why you're so opposed to Queenslanders. And the guy tells me all the reasons why he was opposed to them, like 15 years ago. So there was someone that we were were together with um, some family. So I I asked some questions to some people that were there, some of the family members that were there. And I'm like, is the Queensland team in 2020 a bulk of Queensland players? And they were like, no, they're not. And I'm like, so I said to this particular person, I'm like, so do you still like, seriously, are you so against Queensland because of the Broncos when the Broncos aren't even in there and I said to this person I'm like dude I don't even think you know any of the Queensland players to even like still not like Queensland and this person still gave back the same reasons why he was opposed Queensland as he was 15 years ago okay now we're going to bring this around to our faith there are things as Christians that we are opposed to, that we are against, that we are so zealous of being against 15 years ago and we are still against it today for the same reasons that we were opposed to it 15 years ago, not realizing that, hey, you know what, there's actually been a change. There's actually been a shift. There's actually been a greater understanding, maybe a greater level of clarity. But because 15 years ago, we chose that we were going to be, you know, whatever the the conviction is, we were going to be this and that. We're still very confident. We're still very passionate. We're still very, I don't know what else, what other word to say. Like we're just so strongly against something just because that's the way I felt about it 15 years ago. Now, before I go into any more detail, I do want to clarify, I believe that there is a difference between conviction and there is a difference between truth. Truth will always be truth regardless of whether you're convicted on it or not. God's truth does not change, okay? And that is very, like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a truth that was relevant 15 years ago, not being a truth today. However, I will add, I do believe there are some things among Christianity, there are things that we hold on to and we hold on to it just because we want to be stubborn like that. And because we don't want to accept it as new truth, because there's a lot of stuff that will be impacted by this. Now, I'm going to throw this out. This is going to be very Seventh-day Adventist. So for our listeners who aren't Adventist, maybe play something else in that. And I don't want to say this in an offensive way either. But when we are speaking with people about the Sabbath, the Seventh-day Sabbath being Saturday, there are a lot of people who refuse to accept that truth 
because that is biblical truth. Because in order to accept that truth, they have to deconstruct a lot of areas of their faith. Okay, you're calling people to leave a community that they have been part of for many years. Like maybe since they were like born, maybe they have been part of like a Sunday worshiping church their whole life. They've built strong bonds. They've built strong belief systems. They've built strong church culture. Like their culture may be based around a lot of the stuff that that, that their church does. And now we're saying, hey, come be a Seventh-day Adventist because the seventh day is the Sabbath and the Sabbath is Saturday. So I have seen that a lot of people don't want to accept biblical truth because it is attached to a lot of things. And as a result, 15 years on, we're still holding on to that Sunday worship because we don't want to accept the truth that is now relevant, that God has brought us to, because it means that we are going to have to deal with a lot of stuff. We're going to lose a lot of things and we're going to have to start fresh with a new church, with a new group of people, with a new understanding of what it means to keep the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, celebrate the Sabbath. So as I give that example, I will be honest, within Seventh Day Adventist, we have the same thing. Um, and and I understand, like, if someone was to say to me today, hey, the seventh day is Sunday, I'd be like, nope, it ain't. You know, I'd be very confident in what I know to be biblical truth. So for someone to try and switch my way of thinking or for someone to teach me something different, I know that I would be like this particular person come state of origin. No, I'm not going to go for Queensland because I know what Queensland represents to me. That was 15 years ago. That was when I was really into football. That was when I was supported. That was when I used to go to the stadium and watch this thing. 15 years ago, I chose I did not want to support Queensland, even though I live in Queensland and have lived in Queensland for the majority of my life. I refuse to support Queensland because in my mind, I've already made up my mind. And 15 years on, I've still made up my mind. So I completely understand that if I was placed in the same position, and, and I'm, I'm just using the Sabbath as, an, as just probably the clearest example, but there are many things. Um, if someone was to try and convince me, what are some of the really Seventh-day Adventist things? If someone was to convince me about, um, I don't know, I don't know, whatever, um, <laughs> this is so random. Um, about health reform. If someone was to teach me about like the importance of the connection between the body and the mind and our body being the, like the temple of the Holy Spirit. If someone was trying to convince me, hey, why don't you smoke? Why don't you drink? You know, why don't you do certain things? Why don't you eat certain things? Like, you know, that that's, that's not relevant anymore. That that's like whatever they want to throw at me it's old testament you know it doesn't say in the bible that you can't smoke whatever it is that they want to share with me as to give me a better understanding that my body is not that it is my choice and and it, this is a it's having a cigarette and smoking alcohol and eating pork chops is not going to defile my body it's what's inside my body that defiles the body if they were to give me that i would still be like yeah, that's fine. I believe that what's inside defiles the body, but I would also I would also be very confident in saying, but whatever we do, we're to give glory to God. 
and I've seen myself with alcohol and I can guarantee you I don't give glory to God um, in that type of state, even in moderation, even in moderation, I believe that I am a person that just cannot have moderation in things that impact my body like that. Um, and the Bible is very clear with regards to alcohol as well. So anyway, moving on to that, I understand what it must be like for someone trying to accept new truth, because I know that there are things in my life that I would be like, this truth is the truth. And there is no way that that changes. I do believe that there are some aspects within the Bible that allow and accommodate for new light. And that does not take away from the very essence of that truth. However, it does give us more detail, more clarity and a deeper understanding of that truth. So, for example, um, let me just use the Sabbath because honestly, that's probably the easiest one. And I really haven't sat and thought about it um, in any other way. So let's say someone teaches me about, okay, let's do this. Sorry, guys, I'm going to go back to our Sunday uh, worshiping listeners. Um, please don't make it like I'm trying to point the finger at you, but let's say, okay, let's, let's change it. Let's change it. Let's not do that. Okay. Let's say I'm a Sabbath keeper and yes. Okay. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Let's say there was a time in my Sabbath keeping where I used to wash dishes. Okay. So we would still have breakfast, wash dishes, have lunch, wash dishes. So within the Sabbath hours, we used to wash dishes. Okay. That was just, that was our Sabbath truth. Like that was how we kept the Sabbath. That's how we celebrated the Sabbath. Like we did not see that that was, uh, that was unnecessary. Okay. Years later, many years later, I would have to say if we were in Jinjin, so 11 years ago, so I've been Seventh-day Adventist since I was 14, which basically means like, what's that? 22 years. 22 years. <clears throat> I've attended Seventh-day Adventist churches. I've known of Seventh-day Adventists. I've known what Sabbath means. I've known all that sort of stuff. And there, like I must say, there are still Seventh-day Adventists who wash dishes. Now, sometime since we moved up to Jinjin, we went to a friend's place and they just stacked their dishes, give, gave it a bit of a rinse and stacked them. And I was like, oh, don't you guys wash dishes on Sabbath? And they're like, no, like I wash dishes every day. It's like just one day where I don't have to sit and wash at the sink after every meal. Like I can just eat my meal, just stack them in the sink or stack them next to the sink and I just walk away. I was like, what? Like I love this. I'm like, why didn't we do this? Okay, so now as of 11 years ago, sometime 11 years ago, we stopped washing dishes on Sabbath. Now that was a new revelation to me. That was a new, a new, I just guess a new way of looking at Sabbath. Did that take away from Sabbath? No, it didn't. Did that hinder um, or alter or change the Sabbath? No, the Sabbath still is the same, but I've now seen it in a different perspective. And as a result, you know what? I'm like, that is awesome. Let's do that. So that is what I'm talking about. The, when we see more truth in a truth, it doesn't change the truth. The truth is still the truth. We just see it in a different way. And now I think it just has a diff, an, another level of depth to it. Okay. Now, to conviction, that is somewhere where I think there is more room for us to ask God to help us to see this clearly 
Um, so I'm going to give you one example. So we, when our girls were small, we didn't do birthdays. One, we didn't do birthday for the girls in the, in the way that we understand birthdays as in our presents and a cake and, um, like a big birthday party. We didn't do that. And we didn't go to birthday parties. So if our family had a birthday party, we didn't go. And the reason why we chose that is we went to one birthday party and I remember there was this this moment, I'm not going to make a whole podcast episode on this because this story can go long, but there was, a, there, was a, there was a point at this particular birthday party where the child was being given gifts and they were opening the presents. And I remember, and when, you know, when you give the gift, you say, oh, you know, and who's this from? And they would say, you know, that's from Deborah. So they're like, oh, Deborah, thank you so much for your gift. And then the little kid unwraps it. And the little kid in their unfiltered kid mindset just is like, oh. And then they just disregarded Deborah's gift and just like, you know, like pass it on and, and give me the next one. And as they went through, just like it was like a conveyor belt, like they'd give them the present, they'd open it, they didn't like it, they'd move it on or they'd have like a minimal reaction and they'd pass it on. And I remember at this particular birthday party, there was someone's birth, someone's present and let's say it was Alex. Alex gave a present and it was exactly what this little kid wanted. And all of a sudden, he, the, the particular child, I don't even know who it was, the particular child opens the present and they're like, wow, like you could just see the child's reaction was just epic. Like if someone had to win a prize for the best present for that day, like it was Alex. Alex bought exactly what this kid wanted. And because the kid liked the gift so much, they didn't want to open up the rest of the presents. And they were, you know, their mom or dad, I don't know who it was. They were like, okay, but we need to open the next one. They're like, no, I don't want to open this one. I just love it. And I get it. It was a little child and obviously they have a different filter. But the reason why we avoided going to birthdays was because our, like our girls, we didn't want them to think, oh, birthdays is one, an abundance of gifts. It's all about how many presents I get and who's going to get me the best present and who's going to get me the biggest present. And we didn't want it to be about that. And also we didn't want birthdays to be something where it was central about what does this person get? Like, what does this, what is the person whose birthday it is? How do we make it even more so about them? Okay. So for years, one, we didn't do birthdays for our daughters. Now, again, so when it is since our girls were born, one thing that we've always done is there's always like a special birthday prayer. There's a lot of emphasis. Hey, this is a special day. So we don't act like it's any other day. We have special prayer for them and they always get to pick their favorite meal. So we either, I either cook their favorite meal or we go out to eat uh, dinner at their favorite place. So there is still something special about their day. It's just not done in such an excessive way that the child is now, oh, and you didn't buy me a present and you didn't give me this and no one gave me that and, and so-and-so didn't call me. And we just made sure that, hey, today is special today is something special about you. And so as a result, hey, you get to pick your dinner. Now, our girls are older now. So we have given, we give them money as a gift because they're obviously very aware that now that people get gifts and we don't want them to think that, oh, you know, we don't want them to give gifts. We've, we've just heard a lot of people that have been really traumatized by 
denominations that don't give presents and that ignore birthdays and you know there's a reality in this world that that's what people do so uh, we give our daughters money which is a decent amount of money and they can save that or they can spend it on whatever they want Um, and we still take them out to dinner or I cook their favorite meal so we still we'll still acknowledge that it's their birthday anyway now our conviction has changed so we've gone from we don't do presents to we give them we give them money We've gone from we don't attend birthday birthdays to now we attend a birthday. Um, obviously, we don't really do any birthdays here in where we live. But if a family member is having a birthday and we happen to be in Brisbane, we will go to that birthday where originally we would avoid being in Brisbane for a birthday because we didn't want the girls to be around that whole idea of what birthdays are. So now our conviction on birthdays has changed. And I believe for all of us within Christianity, again, I do not want you to compromise on things that, you know, um, let me not give examples, but again, this isn't about you, you going into a position where now you are going to question everything that you believe in or that now you are going to reconsider everything, or maybe I should, you know, be in a different position, or maybe my 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 church environment allows for me to compromise on certain, certain things, or is calling me to change my conviction. Please be very prayerful about this. I'm not calling everyone to, you know, go totally against their convictions. But I do believe that there is an area within our Christian walk where God does call us to intelligently and like allow the spirit to lead us to understand things with a greater understanding or with maybe a more balanced perspective. Maybe now, I'll be totally honest, let me give you that one. Okay, so there was a chapter in my Christian walk where I was extremely modest and by modest I mean I was wearing long t-shirts like um, three-quarter length t-shirts so you could only see my forearm and I had long all my skirts went down to my ankles okay there was a period in my life where I needed to be extremely modest and that was because I had come from an extremely immodest last few years okay so God called me to be really careful of my weaknesses to be really aware of where my my mind was where my heart was in this time like he's like you've just come from a place where for those who don't know where you used to sunbake topless in a thong or a g-string and God is like I need you to just not think like that anymore I need you to 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 understand that your body is sacred your body is holy and you need to understand that there are areas of of your body that just needs to be covered up so I came from there and God called me now to please be modest. And for me, in my mind, I was so convicted of how immodest I was that I'm like, let me just cover every single element of my body up because I don't want to fall back that way. Now my dress is not as modest as what it used to be. I wear skirts that are up to my knees. Um, I remember someone from the community in Jinjin when I wore a shorter skirt to church and by shorter I mean it was like mid-calf so it wasn't like to my knees or anything and I remember he looked at me and um, we have a really good friendship with him 
Um, but they're from the community that didn't come to our church or anything like that. And I remember he looked at me, he's like, wow, you have legs. And I'm like, oh, he's like, I always just thought that you were just hovering from a skirt. And, and I didn't, you know, I don't know what, what he thought of that. But at that point, he's like, wow, like, I'm like, it was just such a, such an awkward interaction with him. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder what they perceived me because I've always worn ankle length skirts. And we have to be really sensitive to what outsiders see us as, because sometimes in our own peculiar way we make ourselves just look straight out weird and and that the word peculiar was not to be weird anyway so now I have a different conviction on modesty I have a different conviction on being modest but still being okay to wear a skirt that is up to my knees or just under my knees and that's what I'm talking about. Like this particular person, as, as we, we talked about state of origin and as he passionately told me how much he doesn't like Queensland, I, I realized how easy it is for us as humans to become stuck in a mentality or in a spiritual space that we have occupied for so long. But now 15 years on, we actually can't experience a valid reason to be stuck in that I'll give you the example another example so we have church members who uh, we have a predominantly elderly membership in our church so when we try and like tell them about things on our smartphone they're like my phone is just for making phone calls and I'm like I know but if you only knew the potential of you that you could have a computer in your hand you know and they are stuck they are like stuck in this idea of a phone is for making phone calls and they still carry around, you know, like button, like phones with buttons and all you can do is look at, um, all you can do is make phone calls with. And so that's fine. I'm like, that. that's fine that you make calls with your phone. Like I understand that that's what it was intended for in like in its very essence but you have the potential of so much more. You have a potential of a greater depth or a greater degree of light if you were to reconsider your stance on telephones today. Um, and I think that's how sometimes we are. Again, please, this is not about truth. This is not about truth. Um, God's God's essence, the very nature of who God is, that he is the only thing that is truth in a world where we're so confused and we, yeah, we're just being pulled in so many directions. So I'm not saying that we are to reconsider truth. I'm not saying that we, you know, if we thought that the, the Sabbath was a truth 15 years ago, then obviously let's reconsider it. Is it really truth today? I'm not, that's not what I'm, I'm sort of talking about in this episode. But what I'm saying, I do believe that there are things, one, in our own personal convictions that maybe we need to relook at another thing i'll give you this example so there are people that don't are very against contemporary christian music and that's fine trust me i was one of those people so i totally get where you're at i understand the space that you're at but there is also contemporary christian music that is completely okay it doesn't have the three four beat um the lyrics are still completely biblical 
Uh, there are artists who sing songs that, you know, even if it's if you're the type of person that I used to be, where you know it doesn't it can't even have any type of beat or drum in it. There is still contemporary Christian music that is completely okay. There is, and it doesn't come with any, you know, of the other stuff attached to it that we often are worried about. But you will get Christians and Adventists who will not sing anything out of the hymnal because they believe that that is the only safe music, the only sacred music, the only holy music. And I challenge that because one... And I will add, there are many Christians and Adventists who won't listen to music from other denominations because, oh, you know, they're Pentecostal or, you know, whatever. There are people that don't listen to songs from other denominations or won't sing songs or whatever that have been written or recorded by other denominations because they're not Seventh-day Adventists. If you have a look at our hymnal, there are hymns in our SDA hymnal that were not written by Seventh-day Adventists. They were written by people who have a completely different theology to us. However, we have, we have pulled out the hymns and the beautiful songs that they have written that still line up with our doctrinal beliefs and we sing them. We embrace them. We have printed them on thousands hundreds of thousands, probably millions of Seventh-day Adventist hymnals because just because they were from another denomination, just because their theology was different to them, to us, doesn't mean that this particular song cannot be sung, cannot be listened to simply because they're not Seventh-day Adventist. Our hymnal is made up of songs and hymns that were not written by Seventh-day Adventists, but we now say it's okay to sing songs from the hymnal, but it's not okay to sing a song from another um, musician. That's what I'm saying to challenge. There are things within our church culture that we just do, but we don't really think it through. We don't, we're not really logical and intelligent about the reasoning as to why we do certain things. So I'm speaking about prayerfully and with God's guidance, reconsidering some of our convictions, some of the things that maybe we're just holding on to because we just want to um, and not really thinking it through. And then there is a lot of stuff, I believe, within our church culture and our church tradition, which I understand gives us a degree of our identity. Um, I believe that there is nothing wrong with church culture. I don't believe that there is anything wrong with church traditions either. But what I do believe is that we have to be careful when we feel that that church culture and that church identity cannot be anything other than that. Um, so if I choose to give this, this example of like church culture, church tradition, if I choose to embrace haystacks, uh, which is basically like a nacho salad, it's like corn chips with like a sauce with beans and then we stick a salad on top of it. So we stick lettuce, tomato, carrot beetroot, all that sort of stuff, avocado, um, some people put cheese, sour cream on it, like it's just this, it's this great mess. So if I choose to eat haystacks and then another Seventh-day Adventist is like, I hate haystacks. Some people respond as like, that's heresy. Like, how can you not like haystacks? The other one is gluten steaks. Like we have a culture built up on eating gluten steaks, which is like a mock meat. So it's like a fake 
like schnitzel type um, thing. Some people just don't like gluten. And I I have seen conversations where someone's like, oh, I don't really like gluten steaks. And it feels like, you know, when a crowd just goes, oh, like in shock. I feel like, you know, to say that you don't like gluten steaks or to say that you don't eat haystacks, it's like, you know, ready to let's let's burn these people at the stake kind of thing. That's just a subtle, but I believe within our church, we do the same thing. Like, how dare we sing like a contemporary Christian song within our church service? Like, that is just apostasy. There are things like that that I believe we just do because we have to. And that's fine. Again, I embrace culture. I embrace tradition. Any community has their traditions, has their culture. In order for them to be a community, they have to have their culture. So that's not my issue. My issue comes when someone is slightly different to that, the way that we treat them because they're slightly different to it. We treat them as though they are heretics. And I believe that that is dangerous. I believe that that is where we have made a tradition something more than what it should be. And that's where we need to reconsider. If, if I am... And I'm still, you know, I'm a, I'm a hymnal kind of person at church. I don't feel threatened if I go to a church that, you know, has contemporary music. And I'm not going to say Hillsong because as soon as I say Hillsong and then everyone's like, ah, you know, whatever. So whatever it is, contemporary Christian music, I don't get uncomfortable I don't feel it necessary for me to go and speak to the pastor and let them know that, you know, whatever. And uh, No, I think that's where we need to be. We need to be okay with certain things that are actually not a biblical thing that we should be opposed to. It, the, there's no biblical foundation to oppose that particular thing. Um, we just need to be careful with that. We need to be really sensitive to that and and, and how we deal with that. How do we process certain things like that? Because I think that's where, where things are becoming dangerous. I think that that's where, yeah, we're holding on to this. We're supporting Queensland or we're opposing Queensland just because that's what we've done for the last 15 years. And I will still be just as passionate today, 15 years later, as I was 15 years ago. When you know what? There's a lot of stuff that's happened. There's a lot of things that have changed. And we need to be asking God, hey, is this change somewhere where you require me to be as well? And if not, that that's fine. Again, I don't believe that I'm asking everyone to reconsider every single aspect of their own personal journey. I'm still very convicted on modesty. I'm still very convicted on that. But my 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 application of modesty has has differed. It has changed. Um and God has allowed me to be very balanced with my modesty. So again, that that's what I'm sort of trying to say. Okay. I hope that was okay. I hope that wasn't too heavy for a Monday morning. All right, everyone. Well, that's it. That's all I have to say. Be zealous for the Lord. Be zealous for where God has you. And yeah, just remember that we're always growing and... Yeah, God is always working in us. God is always doing a new work in our hearts. And yeah, let us not be stubborn on things that God actually desires to, to give us greater clarity on. Again, I'm not talking about, you know, changing one truth for another. 
but I do believe that there is a depth that God desires for us to go. 15 years later, I think there is a depth to every conviction in our life, to every element of our faith that needs to reflect what that 15 years has brought us in terms of wisdom, in terms of experience, in terms of intelligence, um, and in terms of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our heart. I think we are to reflect that every day. Okay, until next week, my prayer, my hope, and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name. And may we always stay in a position where we're willing to look at what God wants to show us through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay, see y'all.